0: I became aware that there was an issue of educating young kids about gender identity and telling kids their gender identity overrides their biology, their physical reality. I became aware of that when I was studying sex education back in 2008. I wrote a book about sex education called You're Teaching My Child What? And there's a chapter called Genderland, in which I warn parents that kids are being fed this ideology, or as you say, it's like a religion because it is not based in medicine. It's not based in science. Science says that male and female is established the moment the sperm and the egg unite. So the moment of conception, you have either a male or female embryo. That embryo grows into a fetus, that fetus grows into a child, and that child grows into an adult, and they cannot change their sex. I became aware that kids were being told that male and female is on a spectrum, male and female is an idea that was uh, created by straight white men. So here we are 15 years later, and we have skyrocketing numbers of young people, especially girls, not only girls, but a majority of girls and a majority who have some sort of underlying mental illness who gravitate toward this ideology and become convinced because they've been taught this at school, online, at their pediatrician's office, by their psychotherapists, by the government, that this is the answer to their suffering, that it will improve their lives, it will lead to them feeling their authentic selves if they uh, adopt this, a, a new identity. And so to answer your question, uh, it's sort of a long answer to a short question, but I originally became aware of this issue all the way back in 2008, 2009. I warned parents about it at that time, but it was only uh, really in the past few years that I began to dedicate my practice to helping these families and meeting these kids and young adults
1: I'm so pleased to introduce tonight's special guest speaker, Dr. Miriam Grossman, MD. Dr. Grossman is board-certified in psychiatry and in the subspecialty of child and adolescent psychiatry, and she has been taking care of patients for over 45 years. Before gender ideology was on anyone's radar, she was warning parents about its falsehoods and dangers in her 2009 book entitled, You're Teaching My Child, What? She believes that every child is born in the right body. And her practice currently focuses on gender distressed young people and their parents. The author of five books, Dr. Grossman's work has been translated into 11 languages. She has testified in Congress and lectured at the British House of Lords and the United Nations. Dr. Grossman is featured in The Daily Wire's What is a Woman?, Fox Nation's The Miseducation of America, and many other documentaries. Her expert psychiatric opinion is highly sought after for witness testimony and court reports. The interview you're about to watch is pre-recorded, so we will not be having a Q&A session this evening. And now I invite you to sit back and join Tanya. Tanya and Dr. Miriam Grossman, M.D., as they discuss gender-affirming
0: psychological warfare. Well, thank you
2: so much, Heather. Dr. Grossman, it is just so good to have you on the show. I feel honored to have you here. I've been following you for a while I admire the work that you're doing and the tenacity that you have in speaking out and bringing awareness. And uh, it is a really critical issue. And then I just wanted to add that your professionalism in, in, in your experience in addressing the transgender agenda from a psychiatric perspective is essential to undoing this, I believe. It's not only an international political agenda, but I also believe... A religion or more specifically a cult that has managed to infiltrate all aspects of society, but most specifically the education system and creating a mass social contagion. This is a targeted attack against our children, indoctrinating, grooming and sexualizing them and uh, leading to uh, gender affirming care, so they call it. And so this is where I'm just so grateful to have you on the show so that we can do a bit of a deep dive into all of uh, you know the work that you're doing, and maybe shine a greater light for our viewers and parents who still think it's okay to be sending their school their kids to school every day as well. So welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you, Tanya. I'm very very happy to be here with you today.
2: All right, and I know that was quite a bit of an unpacking that uh, as we get into this. So I guess I I'm going to start by asking you. Uh, What was it that got you started in, in, first of all, how long have you been in child and adolescent care? And then where was there a shift to specifically addressing this uh, trans uh, social contagion that we're experiencing worldwide?
0: Well, I've been a child and adolescent psychiatrist for a very, very long time. My goodness. I think it's almost 40, could be 40 years (laughs) it's a long time
2: well it just also bodes it bodes (laughs) to how much experience you have you know like when you speak people should be listening (laughs) okay and then where was the shift that specifically when was the time that you began to really focus on on
0: this well i became aware that there was an issue of educating kids young kids about what's called gender identity and telling kids that their gender identities override their biology override you know their physical reality and i became aware of that when i was studying sex education back in 2008 so about 15 16 years ago um I wrote a book about sex education called You're Teaching My Child What, and there's one chapter there, that book came out in 2009, and there's a chapter called Genderland, in which I warn parents that kids are being fed this ideology, or as you say, it's like a religion, because it is not based in medicine, it's not based in science. Science says that male and female is established the moment the sperm and the egg unite. So the moment of conception, you have either a male or female embryo. That embryo grows into a fetus. That fetus grows into a child. And that child grows into an adult. And they cannot change their sex. So... I became aware that kids were being told that male and female is on a spectrum. Male and female is an idea that was uh, created by uh, straight white men and uh, that they may not be girls or boys. They may be both or either or neither. And I was very alarmed as a child psychiatrist And so I wrote that particular chapter in that book. Uh, I warned parents that this will be uh, catastrophic for children to be taught this and to be led to believe that they may not be the sex that uh, they were raised or that their body tells them they are. And uh, it gives me no pleasure Tanya, to say that I I was right. I was correct when I said that this is going to be a disaster. So here we are, 15 years later, and we have skyrocketing, as everybody knows, skyrocketing numbers of young people, especially girls, not only girls, but a majority of girls and a majority who have some sort of underlying mental illness who gravitate toward this ideology and become convinced because they've been taught this at school, online, at their pediatrician's office, by their psychotherapists, by the government, that this is the answer to their suffering, that it will improve their lives. It will lead to them feeling their authentic selves if they uh adopt this a, a new identity and so to answer your question uh is sort of a long answer to a short question but i originally became aware of this issue all the way back in 2008 2009 i warned parents about it at that time but it was only uh really in the past few years that i began to dedicate my practice to helping these families and meeting these kids and young adults and uh, getting to know them and guiding them through it. So that's the long answer to your short question.
2: Right. And um, yeah, I appreciate that background. Um, I myself became aware of this back in late 2016. And in 2017, began to take uh, significant steps in trying to warn the public and parents and help people become aware of it. It had, of course, uh, started with the sexual orientation and gender identity within the school systems, which is the comprehensive sexuality education at the level of the UN. And they have dictated that all member nations need to implement the CSE program it's called Soji123 in BC and Alberta, Windsexet in Ontario. They've probably got different names throughout the United States as they mask this. I'm just going to share from our website, if uh, individuals want to find this information, it'll be under Current Issues, you'll see Political LGBTQ, and it'll bring you to this page. And I had a whistleblower uh, last year provide me a, a BC education resource, which was called the BC SOGI Toolkit for Teachers. And within there, I'm just going to go to the page, if you click on it, This is the resource, but it it goes down in detail of showing it's K-6, to how they are indoctrinating, sexualizing, and grooming our children within the education system. So when I get a 911 call from one of our chapters nationwide, and this is what Action for Canada looks like nationwide, our chapters are hearing from parents who says, my daughter just came home, she's 14, and she wants me to call her Joe." And then I say, you know what, before we have a further Conversation, please watch this video and read this report and understand what your child has been going through since kindergarten, and this will make a lot of sense to you. And so, when we're talking about indoctrination, when we're using this language of grooming, uh, this is exactly what they're doing. And this is a 911 call do whatever you can to remove your children from the government funded education system, homeschool. Get into a church that is collectively where parents are coming to get together and educating their children. This is a 911 call. And what Dr. Grossman is going to add to this conversation will let you know from a psychological perspective of how and uh, how this is affecting our children. So maybe that's a good point to launch from um, going forward here. Dr. Grossman is psychologically. When you are repeating something to a child in the education system, plus they're seeing it on social media, we say get off of that as well. But when you're um, incrementally filling a child's head in kindergarten and grade one, that their gender is fluid, that they have uh, Prince Prince Charming at one end of a spectrum and a princess at the other spectrum, and they're asking grade two and grade three children to go and say, where are they on this spectrum? Explain what that is doing to a child. Why do you feel that this is grooming children for something
0: that's coming later? Well, you know, there was a uh, very famous child psychologist by the name of Chaim Gino, and he said that a child is like wet cement, Whatever falls on it makes a permanent impression. So absolutely, putting all this, this stuff in front of kids, in front of young kids, and older kids as well, is going to make a very deep impression. And that's why we parents have to reach their children first before the activists reach them. And the activists are hoping to reach your children at a very, very young age. Okay, there are many books that are written for kids who can't even read yet that say things like, uh, when you were born, the grown-ups took one look at you and made a guess about whether you were a boy or a girl. And they may have guessed right or they may have guessed wrong. And only you know who you are. And you, you, you don't know who is a boy or a girl without asking them. And so on and so forth. So all these things make a very deep, profound impression on young kids. And uh, I wrote a book recently called Lost in Trans Nation. Yes. Lost in Transnation, two separate words. A child psychiatrist' guide out of madness. That book just came out last summer, the summer of two thousand twenty-three. Now, this is a book that every family must have. That's good. To it's a you. book. It's a book that will educate regular mothers and fathers, moms and dads. You do not need a Ph.D. to read this book. It's not a book for psychiatrists and psychologists. It's a book for moms and dads. And I put my heart and soul into this book because of what I am seeing in my office, which is loving and devoted families that are being uh, uh, sideswiped by this announcement a sudden announcement by their child that they are the opposite sex. They want to be called by a different name, different pronouns. They want hormones and so on and so forth. And the, the parents are uniformly just shocked, out of the blue. The announcement to them came from out of the blue, from the moon. And uh, they don't know how to respond. Their initial response usually is just one of support and yes, you know, darling, we'll, we'll go along with it. And, you know, you can see we'll make an appointment with a gender therapist and they go into the gender therapist and to their shock, the gender therapist says, well, yes, uh, this is real. You have to listen to your child. You have to put your child in the driver's seat. Only your child knows who she is or who he is, even if your child is five years old. And you must honor that new identity, use the new name, the new pronouns, and let your child express themselves in the way they want, and so on. And when it becomes time, if your child is requesting puberty blockers, well then, here's a referral for puberty blockers and they get placed onto an assembly line toward medical interventions that are, as I explain in the book, experimental and dangerous. These medical interventions that are being used on minors in Canada and in the United States, in many countries, are no longer, being used, are no longer available. Sweden, Norway, Finland, uh, Britain, uh, and, and other countries in Europe have all uh, done careful research and analysis of the of the data, and they have concluded uniformly that there is insufficient evidence of long term benefit for these kids, but there is evidence. Of serious harm, serious harm meaning, for example, permanent changes to the voice, to, uh, uh, to you know hormones. Well, let's let's start with the blockers. I mean, this is a very big discussion, Tanya, that we will not have time for. But puberty blockers are being presented to children and their parents and to the public as being a benign 100% reversible treatment and they are nothing of the sort they are not benign and they are not 100% reversible uh they are an experiment we have never before given puberty blockers to physically healthy kids okay let me repeat that these kids are physically healthy there is nothing wrong with their reproductive system, with their brains, with their hormones. They are healthy. The only kids that we in medicine in the past have given puberty blockers to are kids who have medical conditions or adults who have uh, prostate cancer or endometriosis or adults who have a problem with um with sexual assault, pedophilia, you know, assault of minors, uh, and they are given blockers because their uh, testosterone is uh, is blocked by those medications. So these are powerful medications. They directly affect the functioning of the brain, and perhaps most importantly. We know that a lot of kids who are confused about being boys or girls, if they are permitted to go through healthy, organic puberty, they will outgrow it. They will reach a point by early adulthood in which they are comfortable with their bodies. Many of them are gay or lesbian, they no longer want to live as the opposite sex they accept their bodies now this is what we want we want to reach adulthood fully intact with their fertility intact with their um, sexual and emotional and cognitive development their brain development intact we don't want to interrupt that puberty is not a disorder Puberty is not a disease, and these kids and their parents are being told, well, you know if your child is dreading the onset of puberty, the beginning of their menstruation, um, you know the the beginning of their their body changing and looking more adult like you know growing growing a mustache, growing a beard, their voice lowering well. That child who has those concerns, first of all, many, many children uh, are not thrilled with puberty, right? We know that. But let's say there's a child who's extremely anxious about and, uh, you know, is dreading those things. Well, then that child and that family will benefit from psychotherapy that will explore the reasons for it. Explore the reasons why a girl may dread uh developing breasts and getting her period and looking more feminine and looking more sexual. Has that girl been molested? Is that girl being, um y- y- you know, singled out, and, and are there comments that are coming her way about her, about her body from either peers or adults or maybe even a relative? These are all questions that need to be asked. And in gender, so-called gender-affirming care, those questions are not asked because the premise for gender-affirming care is that adults, including professionals must rubber stamp the identity that children the, the the self-identity the self-diagnosis of children rubber stamping we do not do that in any other field of medicine but that is what gender affirming care is based on and and it's destroying
2: our children's bodies into adulthood and you know you're saying uh, Puberty. puberty is essential to the development and the health of our children's bodies going into adulthood. And it has been proven, I mean, we're still calling these puberty blockers experiment, experimental, but after, like you say, you've been in this for 15 years, I'm going on eight years, we're already seeing the outcome that this is causing osteoarthritis, um, harm to uh, spinal development, It is causing, uh, you know, the facial hair that that young women are growing. This is not reversible. And when they decide that, oh, my goodness, I've been duped. I've made such a mistake in going forward with this because it is the children who are the ones making these decisions. And this shows why they're incapable of doing that and not mature. So the physical sterilization, permanent sterilization to their bodies, I mean, it's so diabolical
0: let me let me interrupt for just one minute it's important to to get the science right so let me just explain that the blockers are not going to cause um growth of body hair um the No, the hormones right right it's it's the it's the a girl who takes testosterone after the blockers will uh grow you know, facial hair and body hair and her voice will drop. The important thing to understand here is that, you see, kids and families are told that the blockers are just a temporary um, opportunity to explore and to clarify whether the child wants to continue, uh, you know, just, It's an opportunity for the child to think about and to sort things out. But that's not how it ends up. What ends up happening is that almost every kid that's put on blockers will continue to estrogen or testosterone. It's a minuscule number of kids that make a U-turn and decide, you know what, I think that I'm okay as a girl. I think I'm okay as a boy. I want to stop the blockers. And, I, and I'm okay now with going through my regular natural organic puberty. That is a minor, a minuscule number of kids. So I want parents to be aware that if their child is put on blockers, the chance of them going on mm. opposite sex hormones is extremely high. It's the combination of the blockers starting at a young age and then the opposite sex hormones uh, that, w- that can lead to sterilization. Because a boy, for example, if he is given blockers followed by estrogen, he, his body will never develop uh, adult sperm, mature sperm. He will never be able to father a child. So this is very, very important stuff. In addition, a, any child that is given blockers early on, followed by cross-sex hormones, their genitalia and their, um, uh, sexual response, uh, mechanism Will never mature, and those kids. Uh, uh, there's no guarantee that those kids will ever experience uh, a normal sexual arousal and orgasm. So you have to let's just let's just think about that for a minute. You know, this is all packaged in a very rosy way, as if we're doing a great favor to these kids by preventing you know, their their development. But people need to understand what, what that really means, a life without ever experiencing normal sexual arousal and orgasm. Is that really what we want to do to these kids? Do we want them to later wake up in five or 10 years and realize that their bodies are not what they're meant to be? Their bodies are not like their peers. Their peers are out and finding lifelong partners, getting married, having children, having fulfill- fulfilling uh, sexual lives, and they're incapable of that. It's,
2: and, and if I'm not mistaken, is it 90% or 95% of kids that do question their sexuality, their gender, or are going through, like you say, many of the kids... Prior to the indoctrination and the grooming, if they were questioning you know puberty, if they were struggling with that, it was most likely due to some sort of abuse or psychological issue, and any otherwise kids ninety or ninety five percent of them, if left alone, would naturally embrace their the sex that they were born okay
0: let me let me clarify yes, okay, so you see, before about 10 years ago, we did not have these vast numbers of kids. We had very, very few young kids who had this issue of gender dysphoria, unhappiness with being a boy or girl. It was a rare, rare situation. I explain in my book. Now, those kids didn't have the opportunity because we weren't doing this to kids. We weren't making sex reassignment available to minors until recently so we do have many studies um, of those kids who before before the skyrocketing you know tsunami of cases they were fallen and yes a great number of them depending on the study between 60 and like 98 percent of these kids if left alone and they, I mean, given support, the families given support, they eventually outgrew it. Vast numbers of them. Okay, those are the kids who who were in this older group. They were not teenagers. They were kids like, I don't know if you know who um, Jazz Jennings is. Yes. Jazz Jennings presented, you know, to her parents, his parents at the age of, three, four years old, insisting that it's a girl. This is not the same group of kids that we are looking at now. The group that we are looking at now who are being given the blockers and the cross-sex hormones and the surgeries, these are kids who never had, most of them, any discomfort with being boys or girls. And we do not have long-term studies of, of that. Right, and it's a new phenomenon.
2: Right. And, and it is uh, heavily coming from within the school system. And that's why I say indoctrination, because they're inviting trans people to show up at the schools and they're telling they're having them in the gymnasiums in elementary schools and in high schools, saying, and don't tell your parents about this. I have firsthand testimony of it. And then the trans person is giving their... Um, you know, their story of how they transitioned and how they're so much happier and life is just a breeze. And that if you're uncomfortable in, the bo- in your body, you have gender dysphoria. So now kids are self-identifying as being uh, gender dysphoric, self-identifying. And when I used the term social contagion earlier on, It was like emo back in the day where kids wanted to paint their nails black and their hair and you know, kids are going to have that rebellious spirit inside and try things that are new. And it happens to be what's ever trending. But this hasn't just been trending because emo wasn't being taught. It wasn't part of the education system, but gender dysphoria is. They're training our kids up to embrace this ideology. And if you don't, and certainly if your parents don't, then you
0: are no longer a safe person. And there's a lot of pressure oh, on our kids. Correct, correct, there is huge pressure. And what you said a moment ago about the gender, about the kids being told if you're not comfortable in your bodies, then you're transgender, it's much, much more than that actually, Tanya, because kids are told just if you're, you know, if you have trouble making friends, if you don't fit in, if you feel different, if you feel really anxious, it's really almost anything could mean that you're transgender. Okay. And they are led to believe that this is going to be the solution and they go online or you're right at school. They, they might, you know, the school brings in people for speakers and uh, you know, to, to the, to different clubs and so on. And the teachers themselves may be activists and school counselors, guidance counselors may be activists and these unfortunate vulnerable kids who want more than anything to have a peer group, to fit in, to feel good about themselves. And they see how their peers, when they come out as non-binary or transgender, they are love-bombed and they are celebrated as being so brave and so courageous and so wonderful. So, of course, it's uh, very seductive. Well, and
2: they've got the clubs at school, Gay Straight Alliances, the GSA, and now they're changing the names of those uh, clubs. The Happy Club come join us in elementary school. Hey, if you're um, you know, non-binary, straight, LGBTQ, come join us for this club. They talk about allyship and that uh, parents are not allies, of course, because in the situations and I'm, I'm obviously you see this on a daily basis, but uh for myself I'm dealing with parents whose daughters are coming home at 14 saying, my name is Joe. They're saying, I don't understand this. What's happened to my child? Then they're learning that they were taught this unscientific ideology in school. They're embracing it. And this one 14 year old girl, she's sitting on the fence about it, kind of with that peer pressure. It was kind of cool. Now she's saying she's a good student and she doesn't want to be involved in it. But she says, if I don't, I'm going to get bullied and she won't be in that so-called in-group. And uh, this is, you know, part of that problem of, of why I'm also calling this a, a cult in the sense that this is what cults do. They create this uh, space, this safe space, and anybody outside of that space is not safe, and you need to question them, except for when you step outside of that space, and then, you know, they have no support whatsoever.
0: Well, Tanya, Tanya, listen, um... Yes, you're right. I I hear this, you know, 24-6, and I've met with, I've talked to many, many families. My book is essential reading. I I, I don't know how else to put it. Is this the transnation
2: you're referring? Because you've written five books. We're talking about transnation. Lost
0: in transnation. Now, you don't have to read it. You can listen to it. Okay. I narrated it. It's an audio book. And it is just Packed with critical information that parents need, so that they won't one day end up in my office or in the office of, you know, other therapists. There's a few of us now who, well, more than a few, but who are, you know, explore these things, and we're not promoting uh, gender affirmation in any sense of it. But you need to get on top of it now when your children are still young. Um, so that you know how to handle it, so that you can understand where it's coming from, and you have the tools. You can go to your school, and you, I mean, I have an appendix about how to deal with schools, about how to deal with child protective services. I know how different things are in Canada, but I'm sure to a certain degree it's going to apply to Canadian families as well. I have an entire um, appendix written by an expert in Uh, getting your child's internet use under control. You must, if you're going to give your kids a smartphone, you sure as heck better be in control and know what your child is, who your child is talking to, and where your child is going on the internet. Because the internet, uh, uh, you know, if you don't reach your child first and protect your child, I promise you, there are activists that are waiting eagerly to recruit your child into this religion and all day i am meeting with parents i met today with a with parents of an adult child uh and and they they missed it and they didn't realize that she was getting into this years ago online and watching all the youtube videos and you know meeting meeting groomers in places that you would not expect, on websites that you would not expect. Don't be naive. This is perfect because I was just going to ask you,
2: what advice would you give to parents, parents that are coming in your office, but more than that, to parents in advance of, in order to um, help them in the best ways possible to avoid this? And one thing I learned recently is that the iPhones with AI, if a child is looking at the phone, the uh, AI picks up that it's a child's face. They could be looking at porn. And as soon as an adult looks at it, it disappears. So do you even want your child to have a phone? Get them a flip phone. Get them a flip phone. If you need that communication because they're in school, that would be the safest thing. It's not good for kids to be on social media, TikTok, and these uh, what Dr. Grossman is talking about in the background there is they have paid individuals who are on there luring your children in with this information. And uh, so many kids have have um, gone the way of transgenderism because of social media. A mass amount of them, of course, have been going towards this in the education system. And many years ago, I believe in Canada prior to this, First of all, I think we can agree there's no such thing as a trans child. No child, nobody can transition from one sex to another. This is biological. It's set in your DNA. This is the way God created you. He doesn't make mistakes. And if you're on the fence, if you're fighting with this, if you've been lured into this, I want to make it very clear. God loves you. God loves you. And you can move from this and you can find healing, but you need to reach out and get help. And uh, so we're going to be making... Dr. Grossman's uh, videos and all of the information available. It's available in the weekly call to action we've sent out. It's going to be available in the description. And so just back to you uh, here, Dr. Grossman, is there anything more advice? Because there's gonna be parents watching this who are watching this program today to say, I'm so desperate. My daughter came home. She's locking herself in the room for hours. I can't get through to her. How do I get her out of
0: this cult? What are the first steps that I can take? Okay. Well, there's a lot of help out there. Uh, My website is filled with all sorts of resources and videos and articles that people can read. My website is Miriam, M I R I A M Grossman, G R O S S M A N. Yeah. M V. Dot com. Now, please. So go to my website. You could spend a lot of time there. And there are just terrific, terrific resources. Now, aside from the website, and of course, the information in my book, no parent should be doing this alone. Okay, that is one of the most difficult parts of this, that parents feel so isolated. They may not have support from their relatives their friends that you know the school the therapist uh, they may feel completely isolated and there's no reason for that because thank god parents in the past few years on a gr- grassroots level have really organized they are extremely well organized there are many support groups that you can join, and you can join anonymously. You don't have to use your name if you don't want to. Um, and these, these are Facebook groups that are vetted. You have to go through a process of being vetted. And then these groups are meeting every week or every month. And parents are supporting parents. Okay, this is so critical to know because
2: I'm not sure if you're aware but in Canada, if a child comes home and says, I am the opposite sex, they have passed in legislation Bill C-4. And if a parent does not take their child specifically to a gender-affirming clinic, they cannot take them to a pastor for counselling or prayer, a counsellor, or, or the parents themselves. If they don't affirm it, they could spend five years in prison. There is a threat of uh, family services coming in and removing your children. Parents have already experienced that in Canada because then they are a threat to their children. They pose a risk. And this is why we're in major battles for parental rights. We're a little behind you in the States. I've been watching very carefully. I've met with one of your uh, governors. I've met also in Texas with Audrey Werner. I've had her also on the show to show the root of how... Sex ed came into our school system so that we can understand, you know, what's behind this. But uh, yeah, we got a tough go here in Canada and we finally have premiers after a lot of pressure. Action for Canada did a lot of work to get Soji overturned in Saskatchewan. We're doing further work there as the LGBTQ radical activists are trying to tear down and uh, remove parental rights. The NDP government in BC, which is one of the worst provinces in all of Canada, within their uh minister of education uh uh, it's like a thousand pages long it specifically says in there they didn't achieve it completely but by 2023 to have full control of children and and so to know that they can go
0: to a support group online is gold for us yes yes definitely you must do that uh Aren't things better in Alberta? I thought that the uh, I, I thought it's, that there was. Re- okay, so uh, last year in
2: around June, New Brunswick was the first one to pass a parent policy. But th- this is one of the things that I get. I, I give them credit for it, but they're saying for children at the age of sixteen and under, they cannot be pronounced at uh, repronounced at school. They cannot be called by another name. Parents need to be fully involved in the education, unless it's a child, you know, that needs to receive counseling, etc., as to what kind of care that child should be, but the parent should be involved. That started a a storm. The next thing in Saskatchewan, uh, Premier Mo took it to a whole new level, and he has put the uh, legislation in place with the greatest parental protection. But again, it still has this limits and it's still buying into what happens to those 17 and 18 year old kids. Why are we entertaining this at all? And the key is get this teaching out of your schools. So we're continuing, you know, our fight there. And then Premier Daniel Smith is just now talking about a parental policy as well. But if you listen carefully to her language, it is again where, you know, I love all trans genders uh transgender people we care about you but for parents 16 and under your kids you know you have full control of your kids we will not be pronouning them and etc you know because the other side is saying to call a child by their given name at birth is to dead name them that's what the lgbtq say and that's what they're fighting for you are a threat to a child that dead names them by calling them their God-given name that you provided okay. them at birth.
0: Yes, yes, of yes. course I understand that. Again, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, I do address many, many of these issues in my book, Lost in Transnation. Um, uh, people who read it, parents who read it, are extremely grateful. They feel that they, for the first time in their lives, have a grasp of where all this came from, what it's about and what to do. I'm not saying it's easy, it's extremely difficult. You know, Tanya, you're probably not aware that I actually spoke in Toronto. I think it was about, it might've been about 10 years ago because when they were trying to uh, introduce the new uh, sex education there, um, it was an incredible event in Toronto. There were over a thousand people on a weeknight. It was standing room only. It was one of the most amazing events that I've ever been to. Um, so, you know, I, I, I did go to Canada a number of times. I know, I know what you're fighting there. It is absolutely awful. It's, it's, a, it's really like a, a, an intellectual and emotional assault on your kids. Um, and it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a war on kids and on families. Uh, you know, we we have it as well here, obviously, but I do believe it's worse up up there.
2: It is. And uh, speaking of that, was uh, Kathleen Wynne was the premier at the time? Yes. And she right, right and she brought on Ben Levin to implement it. And Ben yes. Levin a couple of years ago was arrested uh, yes. for
0: being a predator in sexual per, child sexual pornography. He went to jail. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly when I spoke right around that time that all that was happening. And then she lost the election, correct? Yes, and Doug Ford came in saying that he
2: was going to turn it over and he's done nothing about it. But we have teams on the ground and there's other really good parent groups in Ontario. And so we're making headway because Ontario has alluded to the fact that they are going to put parental rights legislation in Canada as well. So uh, the U.S. is making great headway in overturning this. Canada is beginning to. We see it in other countries, the UK. And uh, so I think that this reign of tyranny that has, uh, you know, that we have been subjected to this vile attack against parental rights, the families that are being torn apart by this, the heart wrench. When you see, we have had Sarah on the show, who's much like your Chloe in the United States. Sarah is becoming more central to uh, some things that, uh, we're commencing here in Canada. Again, had her breast removed, is taking, uh, treatments to remove her facial hair, concerned about the lowering of her voice and on quite a journey, right? So she is an example to others. If you don't know about Chloe or Sarah, you can look them up on my website as well and hear their testimonies if your daughter is facing this, because we need to turn this around and we'll do anything to help you to do that. So I know that you need to go. So let's, uh, just talk about the open letter. Uh, Terenzio, would you please bring that up? And Dr. Grossman, would you please uh, explain to us what this is? And we would like our audience, I will have this in the description as well. Please take the time to
0: sign this. Yes, it will really only take a moment. And it is extremely important. Anyone can sign it. We have grandparents signing it. We have people signing it anonymously. And basically what it is, the American Psychiatric Association published a book called Gender Affirming Psychiatric Care. It came out at the end of last year. They claim that it is a textbook, an essential textbook. It is nothing of the sort. It is a radical uh, political manifesto. It claims, now this is supposed to be a medical book, right? It claims that that the man-woman binary is mythical. It claims that there would be more gender diversity if not for European colonial influence. It says that so-called cisgender people in power are uh, are are um, uh, I'm sorry, my the words are That's not okay. are oppressing oppressing young transgender non-binary. Uh, Uh, individuals, and so on and so forth. This is simply uh, woke uh, gobbledygook. It is not medical language. It is not psychiatric language. Uh, It would not be accepted in any other field of medicine because this is not about medicine. This is about a Uh, An ideology, a belief system, a dangerous belief system, and you're seeing there on your screen the thousands and thousands of individuals, many of them physicians, we have some of the uh, most expert uh, professionals in gender medicine who have signed it, along with many concerned citizens, teachers, therapists, grandparents, parents and so on. So uh, we want there to be tens of thousands of signatures on this letter. We want to hold the American Psychiatric Association responsible and accountable for this book that is simply going to harm kids and families. It says this book is filled with medical misinformation. It says that, for example, Puberty blockers are 100% reversible, that they simply give the child time to think. They say that cross-sex hormones are safe. They say that there should be no obstacles whatsoever to these horrific uh, surgeries, removing breasts, removing normal genitalia. They say that even young people uh, with with serious mental illnesses such as autism, even even kids who may, well, adults, young adults, okay, who have psychosis. Psychosis means that you are not living in reality. Young adults uh, who may be actively suicidal should still be given these treatments. There should be no obstacles whatsoever. Okay, this is outrageous. This is not medicine, uh, and it needs to stop because the body count is high and it's getting higher by the day. Please go to that link. You can read the letter. you can uh, if you agree with it, which I think that your listeners will, please sign okay. and protect children, protect your families
2: and i'm going to ask if you're canadian sign this letter because what happens down in the united states it, it it affects the rest of us and this is uh evil it's pure evil we have laws in canada against mutilation like they're outright you are not permitted to mutilate anybody's body do you have criminal code offenses in Can- in the united states that are similar against mutilation and why is nothing being done why are there no lawsuits against doctors who have physically mutilated children's bodies or and young adults Well of
0: course okay well of course there is a difference between you know female genital mutilation done against the will of the child because here you have children and young adults who supposedly are making an in- informed which of course they're incapable of making that informed consent but you know the proponents of this are going to argue that this is what the child or the young adult wants, and they know best. So, uh, you know, so, so there is a difference, but yet we certainly do have lawsuits. We have quite a few lawsuits. Um, you mentioned Chloe Cole and others. We have at least 11 lawsuits in this country against psychotherapists and doctors and surgeons who have practiced so-called gender-affirming care on young people and then that, you know, they have uh, uh, emotional conditions and they later realize that they regret having uh, signed consent, that their emotional conditions were never addressed and that uh, they now not only do they still have their emotional underlying emotional conditions like autism, depression, anxiety, trauma, uh, but now in addition, they unfortunately have a disfigured body and sometimes a long list of medical issues as well as infertility.
2: Right. Yeah. My view is that mutilation is mutilation. And I don't even think an adult who is saying, a male who wants to say, you know what, I want my penis chopped off. uh, There's obviously a psychological problem. And I can't see a psychiatrist saying, you know what, you know what, you're, you're of sound mind. Um, I'm going to prove you Going to your doctor and and having this procedure—it all boils down. And the UN was it about five years ago as they were going through updating, amending all of the human rights code to include gender expression and gender identity as a way to try to get around all of this. The UN WHO removed transgenderism from their list of mental health issues. It,
0: you know, as part wow. of this plan. Yeah, that's, that's another big discussion. But before we get off, I want to say something that I, I wish I had brought up before. This is important. I want your audience to understand, you know, there are very rare individuals who have gone through sex reassignment, uh, medicalization, and surgery, and they are happy with it. And they may have done it 20, 30 years ago. And they say that it changed their lives in a positive way and that they don't regret it. I'm not denying that those people exist. They do exist. What I'm saying is that they are rare. And more importantly, I'm saying we have no way of predicting before the medical interventions who will end up being pleased 20 years Mm -hmm. later and who will end up with deep regrets. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's an essential part of this because like I said, back when it was emo, you color your hair, you have a few extra nose piercings that doesn't affect you into adulthood. It doesn't affect your childbearing years or your sexual life. But I'm telling you, this campaign right now is just uh, so evil. I always kind of say the devil's in the details on this one. And if we were to look at it on our truly spiritual realm, I mean, God created us, and he created us perfectly. He had us planned in our mother's wombs, and he doesn't make mistakes, and the devil hates creation, and if he can come in and destroy creation or try to create his own manifestation of creation, which is always, uh, you know, painful and destructive, uh, that's what I think is uh, very much part of what we're experiencing and witnessing today. So, Dr. Grossman, before we close off, is there anything else that you'd like to say that we missed? Any information that you would like our viewers to uh,
0: receive from you to look up? You know, Tanya, well, you know, it's such a big subject. And that's why my book is over 300 pages long. So it's a complicated, complex subject. People and families, kids are complicated. Gender is complicated. So we've only just, you know, just kind of scratched the circus over here. I mean, a lot of very important things have been said. But I do want people to continue learning and, uh, you know, urging people close to you who who have who might have families or be involved with children or might be teachers or therapists to please get educated. It's not it's not what you're hearing elsewhere. It's not what your government is telling you. And it's not, unfortunately, what your pediatrician is telling you either. Probably. So you need to look at what's being done by people like myself and others. I have a long list of resources and places for you, things for you to listen to and watch. And uh, there's nothing more important than our children and their futures.
2: And that is exactly why we're all investing in this to get ourselves back on track. And so we are going to be promote, promote, promoting your book. I am so excited because prior to you and I coming on, I've got to be honest, I didn't know about all of these networks for parents. They're contacting our chapter leaders in Action for Canada all of the time and saying, how can you help me? What can I say to my child? And so now we've got this great resource from you, and I'm going to be promoting this all of the time because this is a gift to Canadians based on the fact that we're at high risk if publicly anyone finds out that parents are not supporting their children moving forward with gender dysphoria so i'm very very grateful for you being on the show tonight i look forward to having you on again and just god bless you for the work that you're doing thank you so much
0: you're very welcome tanya so really my pleasure to be here
1: We're so glad you can join us tonight for this very important and informative interview with Dr. Miriam Grossman. And I'd like to encourage you to make a suggestion for purchase at your local library so we can get Dr. Grossman's books into the hands of more people. Our special guest speaker next week is Maxime Bernier, and he and Tanya will be discussing how to fight for our values. And we look forward to seeing you then. Tonight's Bible verse comes from Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Next up is a quote from Dennis Prager. Compassion without wisdom is dangerous. It's what enables people to support the underdog even if the underdog is evil. Be sure to share Tanya's weekly updates and tonight's Empower Hour with your friends and family. And if you haven't already done so, please join an Action for Canada chapter near you. On behalf of Tanya Gaw and everyone here at Action for Canada, God bless you and God bless Canada.